This is the Creator Smarts podcast where you will learn to leverage your online following into a profitable, future-proof education business that you control without being at the mercy of sponsors or algorithm changes. Each week we interview the world's leading creators to find out what strategies they use to diversify, stabilize and grow their businesses. I'm your host, Jan van der Aan. Hey everybody, it's your Dutch friend Jan and you are listening to episode number 92 of the Creator Smarts podcast. Guys, when we think about creators, we often think about uh, YouTubers, Instagrammers, maybe people on TikTok. But what about people who create content on LinkedIn? Um, so today's guest on the show is our dear friend Daniel Smith, originally from the UK, while well, he lives in Spain. And uh, yeah, Daniel is... Um, well, essentially, he's an English teacher and he used LinkedIn to build a huge audience. He has over 100,000 followers there. So in this interview today, Daniel is going to share with us how he built that audience. And the answer is actually much less sexy than you think. Um, also going to talk about who LinkedIn is for, like what kind of content creators should choose LinkedIn. And then we're also going to talk about the... Um, the, the conversion process, so how can how you can use LinkedIn to attract the right clients and also to convert them to become customers that never want to leave your company or your services again. All right. So let's get started. Here is my interview with Daniel. Hey, Daniel, welcome to the podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is you do. Hi, Jan. Well, thanks, first of all, for inviting me onto, uh, onto the podcast. Um, well, essentially, my business is all about uh, helping uh, Spanish speakers uh, improve their professional English. That's, that's essentially uh, the, the business that I have. And it's been a business that obviously I've been involved in it now for quite a few years. And uh, it really all started to grow when I developed a, more of a, a profile on LinkedIn. That was that was when it really started to move forward and and uh you know develop to a to a higher level. Yeah. And we're definitely gonna talk about LinkedIn a bit later because you have a huge following there. Um but let's start at the beginning because you say you help Spanish speakers to speak English. You live in Spain. Um tell us a little bit about your background and how it all got started. Well um essentially I mean Previously, I was uh, I worked as an as an architect in London, and uh, I, I son, one day decided that I wanted to change my life, and uh, uh, so I moved to Spain, and uh, I worked for a variety of different different companies before starting my own business. So I kind of got that experience starting, uh, and and I worked w you know within uh, different academies, and and that sort of uh, was was a great you know learning process. Um, but then after a while I decided that I wanted to, you know, change, have my own, have my own business, let's say. Uh, and for that reason, I started very small at the beginning, uh, had people literally coming to my house and I was giving sort of English classes to them. Um, and then bit by bit, it, it developed into, into something else where I started to, uh, sort of sign contracts with, with corporate organizations and, and build my team of, of, of coaches and teachers and send them to these different corporations. Yeah. So why was it that you started your own business? I think I always, always felt that, um, it was an, something exciting, something exciting, something, I suppose there's always this idea that, uh, you kind of, 
you're always working for a boss uh, in in the past um and i and i kind of wanted to to change that let's say i i felt that i wanted that adventure let's say yeah. um when you go on that route you never know exactly what's going to happen um but i just wanted to try it and see see where it took me and 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 that's essentially what what happened you never you never really know what's going to happen but i was obviously very glad that i took that that decision because you know it's it's every day's a challenge you never know really what's going to happen but but every day is something new you know yeah so did you first quit your job or did you start teaching on the side and quit your job later wow that's a really good question yeah um uh, i actually um quit my job completely yeah and then so i you mean when i was going from the uh when i was working for an uh, like a uh, an academy or something like that yeah 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 so yeah. you were already teaching in spain at an academy that's right and then did that's you right. first quit that job before you started teaching on your own yeah there was a little bit of a, a a kind of gap in between because i actually went back to the uk to do a phd but then when i came back um i had kind of my website set up and i it was all set up with google ads so then i never went back to the academy i always had my own clients at that point coming to my house you know so yeah. <laughs> so that was that was how essentially yeah it was very much a sort of before and after sort of situation yeah yeah so the pressure was on i mean you didn't have a job so you needed to find a way to make it work that's right yeah yeah and i I'm really, uh, yeah, it was, it's, it's not too bad that process because it, imagine that even if you are like working for an academy, you can always like reduce your hours and then take on, have private clients. And then as, as your private clients get more and more, then you can reduce the number of hours with the, with the academy. But, um, but yeah, I did, for me, it was very much sort of, I, I didn't go back. I just like had my own clients and that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And um, I mean, what happened? Because did you? How did you get your first clients? You just mentioned Google Ads. Is that how yeah. you got them? Yeah, <laughs> because uh, my brother has his own website, and so he's kind of he was very much into the whole idea of uh, you know building your own website and everything like that. And that, at that time, we're talking quite a long time ago. Um, uh, it was quite difficult to build a website, you know. But he he had the knowledge of. Uh, how to build because he you know he knew html and all that sort of stuff which i was useless at so i i took some of his code and i and i created my own web page to do with english teaching you know and then uh basically i uh started to use google ads and and that i could target those very close to my house so basically <laughs> people people would come to my house to have english classes at that point and so that's how i found my first clients yeah yeah so how did that work i mean how was the first year was it easier or more difficult than you thought? Um, it was. It was relatively okay. It wasn't too. wasn't too difficult. Yeah. I mean, it was. Um, yeah. I mean, not not difficult. I, w I wouldn't say it was difficult. It was just a process of kind of getting used to it. Um, the flow of clients was fairly good. I mean, there was no problem in terms of clients here in Spain. You know, lots of people, lots of professional people want to improve their communication skills in English. So for me, it was like you know not a problem really at the beginning to get clients coming through the door let's say you know but of course they were individual clients and they were coming to my house so after a while i wanted to change that situation you know i wanted to develop the business a little bit more so when did you make that change 
Well, I started to make that change. I mean, I would say that was about seven years ago um, or, or maybe maybe a little bit less, five. Um, and I start, started to think, okay, I want to have my own team. Um, but to do that, obviously, like I felt that at that time, it was important to sort of sign contracts with corporations because that was the, the kind of the way to do it uh, at that time. So I thought, okay, I'm, I need to sort of contact human resource people and sign a contract with those human resource uh, individuals individuals and uh, and then obviously send my team to provide that service you know yeah tell us a little bit how you do that because you can imagine that there's many teachers listening to this episode and they want to scale their business and of mm. course there are various ways to do that right i mean you can build yeah. a big online presence for example sell digital courses um or just teach more in general find more in-person clients the way you did that is by well getting working with corporations as you just said yeah. how do you how do you do that? How do you reach out to those people? That That is actually a really good question because it's not easy at all. It's really not easy. It's a kind of, you need to build a network of um of key individuals let's say uh, and you have to build it's all about relationship building you know and at the beginning that was really difficult for me because my spanish wasn't good enough and of course all of those relationships are built in spanish you know and yeah. and, and and other existing players have a key advantage because because they have their network established or they're actually spanish for example so that 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 whole game at the beginning uh, is quite difficult for a foreigner to get into. Um, so I even even I mean I was kind of getting quite successful at it. Uh, just I would say just before coronavirus hit, I, I was had you know quite a lot of uh, substantial clients, you know, and uh, I was happy with that. But of course, it wasn't easy. No way is it easy. That that I would say that process. If you compare the two of of a of kind of getting your own client as individuals or the process of getting corporate clients is, is completely there there's a stark contrast you know yeah so what would you suggest people do if they want to work with with companies um you find them on, on linkedin do you go to local events is it a combination of all of that uh yeah well yeah i mean it is a bit of that uh, clearly uh, it really depends on your situation in the country. Okay, so if if you can speak the local language, that is going to obviously help you massively. I mean, at the beginning, I couldn't do that, so that was one massive hindrance for me. Um, but yeah, LinkedIn is another good um, is a, is a good way of connecting with people. But it's a little bit like cold calling, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's quite difficult to you know just identify somebody in human resources and say okay i'm going to send them a message and that you get a, like a real great response from them is is very is quite unlikely so it's actually a little bit better to do sort of content creation and kind of get inward inward uh, people coming towards you rather than <laughs> reaching out which is kind of what i kind of decided to do in the end yeah so is that the, the number one thing that helps you getting more corporate clients then like create content creation on linkedin I, I would say so. Yeah, I would say so. I, I, you, you have a real massive advantage if they're if they're coming to you, yeah. you know, and uh, and they they're kind of like interested in you and interested in your services. Wow, I mean that's 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 completely different ball game, you know, yeah. completely different, completely different. I mean, otherwise you're just like an individual English teacher, let's say, reaching out to somebody in human resources. If they if they haven't had a recommendation about you or anything like that. 
it's hard. It's hard. It's not easy. But of course, you know, you have to build up. It's, it's, it's a little bit, I would say, more on the side of re relationship building and kind of gaining a really good reputation. And then those key individuals coming to you, you know, almost. Yeah. So when did you start content marketing on LinkedIn and how long did it take for you until actually, you know, have somebody reach out to you and say, hey, um, can you maybe teach English in our company? Yeah. Um, I think I started, well, I started quite a long time ago. I said, I would say it was about seven years ago. Um, originally when I, when I started putting content on LinkedIn, it was like, I had no traction at all, nothing at all. I mean, uh, I, it has to be said that at the beginning, I didn't have any idea what to do either. And I was just like literally taking some sort of content from maybe another, another, you know, somebody else's content <laughs> and putting it on my, pro well, you know, like how you can link to other content on 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 youtube or whatever you know i was generally just putting a link to that established content of somebody else's you know and of course i got like one or two likes because it wasn't original content you know and every everybody you know if you want to go and see uh youtube content you go to youtube so so that was useless and that kind of gave up for a while and uh and then afterwards i thought it was just i can remember the day it was like it was i was in on holiday and i thought Gee, I must, I must, there must be something I can put on there that, that people will like. And, and so I thought, okay, well, I've been in classes, you know, I was teaching all the time at that time. So I just literally said, okay, I, every time I give a class, I'm going to write something down, a, like a common mistake, and I'm going to put it on, on LinkedIn. And then like the first time I did that, I got 10 likes. So I thought, wow, something must, <laughs> this, this must, something must be happening. You know what I mean? So, yeah. It was, so I just basically continued from from that point onwards you know with so, original content yeah so that was the first sign of you know, traction yeah 10 likes you know, yeah five times more than two likes right <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then you just double down on that and that's what you've been doing for the last what seven years yeah 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 i mean consistency obviously being key in that fact you know like 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 has been the case in so many of your other guests you know it's like it's absolutely vital that you do you you know you decide on that on the way that you're going to do it, whether it's one video a week or whether it's going to be content every day, but you're very consistent in that approach, you know. So, how many followers that you have when you when you, when you started? Uh, well, I, I, in fact, I, I mean, well, I mean, I zero. I, I created the new. It was a new account, so <laughs> <Okay>. I, had, <laughs> I had zero. I had zero. So, you know, it was, uh, yeah, just bit by bit. Uh, providing value you know and and helping people really that's 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 the key and how big is the following nowadays i think uh i i checked it uh, literally uh, uh yesterday and i think it's 99,000 so 99,000 yeah. i yeah. remember last year i mean we when we spoke for for the first time i think it was only a half or something no yeah 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 it's it's quite it's quite it's grown quite quickly yeah um but you know it's like you some posts that work really really well some others don't work so well but you know it's just uh uh the most important thing is that that you kind of get an idea of how you can help your followers and what they what they really need and i think that's the other thing that i've kind of learned over the especially over the past year or so is like really to get to know my my avatar in terms of you know who who is what what type of person is really my client you know yeah tell us a little bit about how you do it i mean you you share common mistakes but it's it's a bit more than that right like you're writing yeah. a nice post in spanish and in yeah. english just for yeah. our listeners who haven't seen uh yeah. who haven't connected to you yet 
Yeah, I mean, um, it started like that. So, so that I would say that the common mistakes were the the thing that that I started with. But then, but then bit by bit, I obviously you want to evolve, and you don't want it to be the same thing all the time, you know. So, so that that has changed over over time, and now I have uh, content creators who help me to, oh. to, you know, because it's 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 something that is. Uh, at the beginning, it's like really, really interesting, and, and and it's still interesting now. But at the same time, it's kind of really useful to get help with it as well, you know, um, because you know it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, without a doubt. Even even if you just say, okay, I'm going to post something every day, you have to literally think about how you know what are you gonna what are you gonna provide every day. So I do have help now, and and that obviously is is fantastic to get that that type of help in terms of you know content creation. Yeah. So how do you come up with new ideas? Is it, does it just come from lessons with your students or? Um, I don't really give that many lessons, let's say, or yeah. coaching sessions anymore. Uh, I have my own team and, and I literally just most of the time interview the client and then pass them on to the right coach. That That's that's the idea yeah. of the business now. Yeah. Um, but uh, in terms of ideas, uh, yeah, I get a lot of ideas from from the from the sessions that I have, but also just it can be small things you know i always like to have a notepad very very close just so that literally i when i come up with an idea i write it down because if you have to come up with an idea immediately uh just off the top of your head that's really difficult but when you're you know like in the morning in the shower you might suddenly think oh yeah that's a good idea and so literally i start running and like writing it down in my notepad because otherwise i forget it you know so so yeah that that's it, it can come at any time the idea you know how much work is it to to create a good post um the way now, you've done it so far well i mean it's not it's not that it's not that much work the idea is that is the key the key thing mm -hmm. let's say but but now obviously when i come up with the idea i come up with the idea and then i pass it on to the content creators and they come they they kind of fill out that idea so i normally come up with the idea and then they kind of fill out um the, the you know flesh it out a little bit more you yeah. know so it's not it's not you know it's it doesn't take me too much time i mean it's it's quite different in that way to uh let's say uh a a um, youtube video you know i mean a youtube video you always have to be your face has to always be there so it's like mm. it's, it's slightly slightly different and slightly more efficient in that way but you know i'm always looking to up my game in in on linkedin so who knows maybe i i will start to move forward with videos in the future i don't know yet but we'll, we'll you know that's something that every every content creator has to think about how how they can up their game over over time right yeah so you just said that one thing that has been working very well for you on linkedin is sharing common mistakes and then giving an additional explanations and teach a little bit more about those concepts right yeah. have you seen other things that work very well for people in uh, well let's say in online education on linkedin um well uh, linkedin is kind of like uh you know obviously there's the whole idea of the algorithm just like any social media you know and everybody's kind of trying to identify what what that algorithm you know how it works everything and, and all related to that idea you know but um on linkedin like the the definitely the the most powerful content is uh, or the most viral content let's say uh are text posts uh, that's that's without a doubt it's quite quite incredible really because linkedin has introduced a whole range of other different ways that you can share content but it still actually is um the 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 text post that is the most viral element you know yeah 
and and what kind of things get you i mean you share common mistakes but do you know other creators that the share text but then do you know with different ideas so maybe not teaching mistakes but i don't know do other people who do something else sharing stories or yeah yeah i mean essentially the the idea here is is that i started with um with uh common mistakes but that's not what i do anymore okay. uh it's, it's not really the thing that i that i most of the content that i do now is more related to the idea of helping a uh let's say a a somebody professional that has like a b2 plus level or a c1 level and they really want to uh amplify their range of professional vocabulary yeah. and take their their sort of business communication skills to a higher level so it that is how it's actually involved you know at the beginning it was just like common mistakes which kind of resonated quite well with the audience but it, in the end, after sort of really getting to know my audience, yeah. it, in fact, the key thing is helping them to feel confident in a business scenario, in a business situation. You know, yeah. they, they, you know, English opens so many doors uh, for for Spanish speakers in, in that sort of in their professional world. So, you know, that's that's essentially where I would like to come in and really help them, you know, open those doors, get a new job um you know get more responsibility you know there are they really that that's really the added value that they're looking for yeah okay so you started posting content on linkedin very consistently every single day i think in the beginning right that's right yeah um the audience was growing but how was this helping your business and when did you actually realize that it was really working for your business that it was a way to to get new clients well, that's a really good question because, like, uh, originally, really, LinkedIn didn't help me that much. It was like it was something that I liked to do, and I and I was getting a following, but the clients were not. Re there was no real relationship. I mean, I w and I think that the the key uh, element of change was when I changed my profile, um, and and that is a really important element on on LinkedIn. Um, but uh, at the beginning, I, as I say, I was I was focused more on corporate clients, okay, yeah. and so my profile was very much sort of like uh, what I had like, and I also published a few books. So like my profile was like an author and a provider of English services for companies, you know, and and that kind of got some traction, but but it wasn't like the massive flow that that you would expect from from a quite considerable following, you know. Um, so it was only really when when the coronavirus hit uh, that I that and and uh, everything changed a little bit, and I also changed my profile. That suddenly I noticed a massive difference. Yeah. So what was that big change that you made? the the base The basic change was that uh, I created a profile that was much more focused towards the idea of helping, uh, or yeah, helping somebody with a problem. Let's say. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. not necessarily companies, but you were yeah. focusing more on the individual. Yeah, yeah. And also I focused on the idea of coaching, okay? Yeah. Um, so that, that was also something that, you know, there are loads and loads of services in terms of English classes, you know? But I kind of, the whole idea of an English academy or an academy in English, is how they say, in, obviously, here in Spain, is like, it's very standard. It's very, it's quite boring, you know? It's really quite boring. And, and I think most most especially people in this sort of professional level they're kind of that 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 type of idea is not is not what they're looking for you know they've been through that process four or five times and they've they've covered the 
yeah. you know, the, the present continuous and the present simple, you know, 15 times and they're, and they're not really, they don't want to go over it again. And so that, that was the idea that I wanted to create a different type of methodology too. Yeah. Know? You need to give them a new opportunity as they, as they say right. in, in marketing, right? Something that they've yeah. never heard about before so that That's they right. think, hey, this is something new. I haven't tried that yet. Let's, let's, let's give it a go. Yeah. Um, do you remember like the first time you got a new client through LinkedIn? Um, no, I, I, I mean, I, I got a few corporate, uh, you know, quite a few corporate clients. So those, those were the ones originally, because at the, originally I wasn't even really interested in individuals. So I was just focusing on the corporate ones and I got a f quite a few corporate ones through LinkedIn. Yeah. But it would be, but it's, it's, it's more when I changed the profile that I suddenly kind of got a flow. So, so now the flow is so strong that, you know, that I, I, you know, I've got a waiting list for four weeks in terms of, Because I've got like, I literally, I interview every single, every single client. I want to understand their profile. I want to understand their motivation and their key objectives, you know? Yeah. And then that is really important because that's what I want to, you know, I really want to give that detailed information to the coach that takes on that client. Yeah. So am I right if I, if, if, if I say you, you, you mainly focus on individuals now? Yes, yes. I, I, at the moment, it's more individuals. Yes, but of course, that the reason and partly the reason for that is because uh, corporate clients uh, have been sort of since the coronavirus hit have been like really concerned about their core operations, you know. Mm, okay. And so tra training has like the 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 you know the budget for training has suddenly been slashed, you know. So that 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 at the moment. What, what is coming through the, very, very strongly are individuals who, who really want to take their career to the next level. Yeah. yeah. How do you make sure that the people who apply are a good fit? Because, I mean, first you make that switch from individuals to companies because you wanted, I, yeah. don't know, I guess, regular lessons, uh, contract yeah. stability. Yeah. Is there, how do you create that stability when you work with individual clients? That's a good question too. Yeah. I mean, um, essentially it's kind of a process that you take them through and you kind of, uh, try to understand their level of motivation and their level of commitment, you know? And so that's yeah, quite easy to, to identify when you have a conversation with an individual, you know, um, you know, they, how important is your professional English to you and how important is it to the future of your career? I mean, you know, it literally can be that important. It's a massive tool for, for Spanish speakers to, to either work here in Spain or to move to another country or whatever. But, but English is a vital tool to get a job and then be success, successful in that, in that job. So, mm -hmm. you know, like when you have a chat with somebody, it's quite clear that, you know, whether that is the case or not. And if, if they have if they have that motivation um, and that, you know, real desire, then they could be, they, they are the types of clients that we like to work with. Yeah. They pay themselves or does the company pay? Uh, it can be a mixture. It can be a mixture. Sometimes there's subsidies. Uh, sometimes um, uh, they pay themselves, um, you know, so it, it, sometimes the company can pay for everything, you know, so it's still, you know, there, there are a whole variety of different situations. Um, it depends on the role of the person. It depends on the policy of the company. You know? Do you qualify the uh, applicants before you get on a call with them or is that not necessary? <laughs> Good question. Yeah. Um, uh, at the moment, uh, no, but I think that it's something that probably I will do in the future. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. what would you say is your like the closing rate as they call it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, closing rate, yeah. That, that is something that I still need to really, really drill down into, you know. Mm. Um, at the moment, the pro, the, you know, I'm, tr I'm just trying to improve that process as much as possible yeah. uh, because it's a learning process for me too, you know. Um, and uh, I just want, at the moment, I just want to really uh, improve that process as much as I can. And then I will make that, you know, yeah. measure that let's say yeah do you do you sell so, so it's, let's say somebody is qualified and that they are interested and what what do you offer because with companies you you sign i don't know one year contracts for example you cannot really yeah. do that with an individual student or, or, or can you no no i don't know essentially what we do is we um we uh we provide them different types of services okay um with sort of professional english or advanced uh advanced professional english or then coaching uh sort of english sessions so it's a, even then it's a specific type of methodology um and all of those have different prices um and no we invoice them at the end of the month so it's very you know we don't sign a contract with them no and really for you know, that's it's something that I want. I want to leave a certain level of flexibility for the client. You know, I don't necessarily want to lock them in necessarily. Okay, yeah. um, that's also important because I want to see, um, you know, how how engaged they are with the process. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, and if they want to leave, they can leave. It's not a problem. Yeah. How big is the team nowadays, and and how do you make sure that you work with good teachers? Where where do you find them? Um, I, uh, I originally had obviously lots of teachers, um, working in corporations, but then of course that those, uh, contracts, because the, the, the companies didn't really want to, they were not sure what coronavirus was going to bring. So a lot of that, that decreased quite substantially, but I already had a substantial team at that point. But, but since then, of course, now, uh, I have clients all over Spain, but also all over Latin America, especially, uh, quite a lot in Mexico and uh, in Colombia. So um, the actual coach or teacher can be any located anywhere in the world. And so suddenly that has dramatically changed the whole scenario, too. Um, so before I was looking really uh, location based, you know, I was looking ar around the companies uh, here in Madrid because that was where my team was. But now, of course, I can I can choose what I consider the best coaches or teachers uh, anywhere, anywhere, really, because I assume that really my business is going to continue online. Yeah. So it's 2021, one year after. Well, it's March as we are recording this one year after COVID hit. Mm. Um, was COVID a good or a bad thing for your teaching for your teaching business in the end? <laughs> um, I, I have to say a good thing, a good thing. Incredibly, it's, it's kind of at the beginning I thought it would be a disaster <laughs> because I had just I just built up all of these corporate clients and I thought, jeez, oh, you know, what am I going to do now? But after a year, I actually think that it's it's been an incredible process, you know, an incredible process. Obviously, you know, it's, it's a terrible thing. And, you know, it's, it's, it, but for the business in itself, it's been a reorientation. And, um, and yeah, I think it has taught me many things. Um, and I think the business will not be, will not go back to what it was. That's for sure. It's, it's, it's a very different business now than it was one year ago. Yeah. Don't you miss teaching or going to the companies and doing the actual teaching or at least facilitating those lessons? Yes, I do. 
I do. I, I do miss that. And, uh, you know, online is great. Um, but of course, it's, it's not the same as face to face. And and we'll see to what degree that that comes back. And, uh, and, and I think, you know, I, I think most of teachers and coaches also feel that, you know, that I think they still like the whole idea of being face to face. When you do everything online, there's a lot of screen time, which is, you know, it's, it's it can be quite draining when you're in front of your computer all the time. And, and of course, the interaction is not quite the same. But, you know, in terms of uh, quality, I would say to a client, I would always recommend now to do it online because I can find better quality for them uh, online than offline. Yeah. Well, so tell us a little bit about how the business works. I mean, you have this huge following on LinkedIn. They see your posts and then they send you a private message and you get a call yep. with them. Is that... Yep, yep. That's that's there are a lot of uh, messages uh, directly through LinkedIn um, or uh, onto my website, and they they go onto the website and they uh, and they fill out a form, um, and yeah, and then I have a have a call with them. Yeah, Do I have you? a call with them and, and sort of get an, get to really know their them. Uh, also, sort of build build a relation, sort of like connection with them at least. Um, and understand their profile, their needs, and their objectives. Yeah. yeah. Do you, Do you also pitch in in your in your posts? Um. Ooh. That. Yeah. Um. No. I. I don't really pitch. Um. I. I think I have done a few times, but I haven't done it very often. Um. Obviously the whole idea of you know we've discussed this with other guests as well the whole idea of building a list is important and and obviously i've built a list and so i have in the past obviously pitched through emails um, but through social media much less yeah yeah so hardly ever i would say hardly ever yeah i don't pitch much have, have you found a way to to get those people from linkedin on your mailing list yeah, you can use different methods. Obviously, the whole idea of a lead magnet you can use. Yeah. Um, you, that Actually, that's probably the main focus is obviously uh, a lead magnet. But the other way that you can do it is obviously you can maybe have a post on your – like a blog post on your on your website and then you have a pop-up, for example. I mean yeah. – yeah. um, Pop up. I, I I always thought at the beginning pop ups were a horrible thing, and you know that I would never use one. But actually, in terms of performance, a pop up actually works quite nicely. So, so yeah, uh, that's how I kind of built a list. It was uh, partly through a lead magnet or sort of a pop up on your website. Yeah. So you're in a pretty good position then. I mean, you managed to get leads uh, on a consistent basis without really pitching anything, without really sending out any offers. Yeah. <laughs> that's true that's true yeah so what, yeah, no 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 offers at all so no. so what, what's holding you back from sending out offers uh, oh, <laughs> um well uh, yeah no, nothing nothing in particular nothing in particular um uh it's just a, it's a, a i guess it's a question of approach and whether you yeah. want to use social media in that way yeah. you know um and uh, you know that I think I would feel more comfortable in do, doing that through through an email rather yeah. than directly on mm-hmm. on social media. Although I, you know, I from time to time I've actually you know got no problem in doing that. It's just that most people react to social media posts in terms of like th- whether you've added value to their day. Mm. And if you and if you literally kind of put up something like hi, my course is starting today and, you know, like uh, sign up now, you're not really adding value to their day. Yeah. You know? So that's, that's, that's the reason I've sort of hold off in terms of um, pitching to, to, to my followers, let's say, on LinkedIn. Yeah. yeah, but you do pitch over email. 
I do, yes. Oh, I you do. do, okay. I do, I do, yeah, 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 I do. So how does that work? I, Just every once every now and then, you send out an email, you say, you tell them about your offerings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I have a newsletter every week, so that I'm uh, remain top of mind in in that way as well. Yeah. Um. Uh. But from time to time, if I have an offer, um, I mean, you have to take in consideration that the the offer, my main offer, is very personalized. So, yeah. like, you know, when they're ready, they're ready. Do you know what I mean? And mm. uh, um, uh, obviously, I think I will have different types of services in the future. Um, but you know, when you're thinking about a professional person somebody who doesn't have much time um, and they really want something that will really help them in terms of their career, then, you know, they need something very personalized. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, there, there might be different types of services in the future that could be groups or even sort of like a, uh, some sort of recorded content. Um, but at the moment, uh, the flow is so strong that, you know, I, I I just need to focus on my my core operation. Let's say. Yeah. Do you have an overview of 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 the scheduling, like of of all the lessons that are planned in, or like what kind of tools do you use, or don't you use any tools at all? Uh, the, 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 I don't use any tools at the moment. No. Um, so I I kind of have a, a general idea about the the timetables of my yeah. of my core team let's say um but I don't use any particular tool not at the moment no uh, that might be obviously something in the future and obviously you know as as things grow I'm going to have to start thinking about that type of thing obviously but um you know at the moment I kind of get an idea of which coach has a little bit more availability than yeah. the others you know and and You know, in many cases, I get to a point where I've literally filled up most of the timetable of one one particular coach. So I know mm -hmm. that okay, if I offer him that, he's going to say no because it's just everything's full. You know. Yeah. Is there any reason to worry about clients? Um, you know, just going ahead with 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 the coach without letting you know uh, and paying the coach directly. And are there yeah. ways to? Is it worth worrying about? And are there ways to prevent them mm. from doing mm. that? I, the, the, the answer to that is that I used to worry about it a lot and now I don't. <laughs> um, and there, there's a, there's a, I suppose it comes with experience a little bit, but in the end, you know, you're, you're ha like, take an example of like, obviously I'm handing over clients to, to a coach. Right. And, uh, I'm, I have an, an idea about how long that coach will stay with that client. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I, I will, I will know how long they stay with that client. And so if if that client stays for a long time, I know that um that number one that the coach is really great, um which is the most important thing and they're giving lots of value. Um and also that, you know, that that type of uh sort of worrying idea is is not really an idea that I need to worry about. It's not, you know, if If, if, for example, I have a, a, a coach or a teacher where after three weeks, every single client disappears, <laughs> there are two things that happen, right? Number one, I'm not going to give any more work to that teacher. And so, so it kind of dry, that would, that source would then dry up, you know? So, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's keeping an eye on the performance of your team, you know, essentially. Yeah. So what is the future of the business? Is it online or do you eventually also want to go? you know, do things offline again? Uh, I think I would like to do stuff offline again. Uh, I think that it would be, you know, it will see how things move forward. Um, 
uh, initially when the coronavirus hit, uh, there were lots of individuals, but now we're, we're getting a lot of uh, companies who now want group sessions uh, online as well. So, you know, the, the, I think the, the companies will come back, but they, may, they might want a different solution that they wanted to, wanted to have before. Um, partly because, again, it's, it's a little bit of, you know, if, if you're a, a client, and I always give this examples, like if you're a client that, that is in this, I don't know, lives in a, or a, a corporate client, let's say, that is a little bit difficult in terms of location, then it's very difficult to get uh, a coach to, to actually physically go there. And if they just want one hour, then, you know, it's, it's extremely difficult to maintain that quality. Um, so, you know, like I assume that um, the future will be online and offline, but probably more online, I, was, I would assume, yeah. Yeah, more online than before yeah. COVID. Yeah, partly because everybody has, I think, also changed their mentality you know mm. including me including me i mean before before coronavirus i don't think i would have really focused so much on uh, a sort of online training but but yeah i think I, i've definitely changed my whole mentality uh, and i think everybody else has because we've been you know been online now for for uh, almost a year yeah you know? what do you think about teaching groups versus one-on-one uh, -on -one students um, there can be benefits to it. Um, uh, there are some drawbacks as well. I mean, most clients here in, in Spain, they want to very much sort of build their confidence, practice their fluency. Um, you know, they've, they've focused a lot uh, in many cases on the whole idea of grammar and, and learning in a very sort of traditional way. Um, so if you have coaching one-to-one, -one, there's a really uh, added value of really Uh, you know, building your confidence in terms of getting, you know, output, you know, real, real lots of output. And so that you're, you're used to that when you get into that meeting or into that conference call or whatever you, whatever it might be. Right. So, um, one-to-one -one is really very, um, It, it helps the client a lot. It helps the client a lot because it can be very personalized uh, and it can really help them to sort of take them to that next level. Mm -hmm. However, at the same time, group sessions can be fantastic because you can have a real group dynamic. They can practice in front of other people, which is also really important. Um, but of course, the, the, their ability, if the group is very big, I mean, we don't, we, we don't do like big groups because it's not, you know, a maximum of, let's say, I would say five or six maximum, yeah. you know. Um, because otherwise it's just going to be, you're not going to be able to practice that output, uh, issue, you know? Yeah. So here on the podcast, we talk a lot about building an online audience, right? I mean, you can do that on, on YouTube, blogging, Instagram, TikTok, clubhouse, maybe now, huh? 2021. Yeah. <laughs> um, you do that on LinkedIn. Who do you think should try to build an audience on LinkedIn? Uh, essentially, I think you have to think carefully about who your your um, audience is. Okay, so your avatar, a little bit like I think you've discussed with other clients, as uh, you know, with other people on this on this on this um, on this podcast, you know. And if you think that your that you will be able to help a certain type of avatar, and that avatar is on LinkedIn, in other words, a certain type of professional person, or or um, Yeah, that that just that your audience is there, then I think it's worth it. I think it's worth it. You know, yeah. um, start slow, start start, but just do something like put it into action, and then don't don't think about it too much and test it as well. You know, mm. try try new things, try different things, see what gets traction, see what doesn't get traction. Um, I think that 
you know, in many cases, um, the guests that you have on, the, on this podcast, they often have two languages, right? So they they might have, and and that interplay is quite interesting as well. And so, like, if you if if you're you know you're teaching uh, Chinese and English, well, then then maybe your post could like mix those two to to kind of like really engage with that audience, you know. Um, but there are a whole range of different ideas and, and things that you can that you can do. But it's just trying it really. It's, it, a lot of a lot of the whole thing with this type of thing is 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 really just just trying it. Yeah, just trying it. Do you remember when you got your first client of of LinkedIn? Yeah, well, I mean, the, in terms of my first client, I think that it was um, it was probably a, a corporate client of some kind, but. It took me much longer than I thought it would in terms of, uh, you know, getting a flow. I think it's actually the flow of clients that is really important because you can get a you can get a client uh, sort of a one off sort of like, oh, suddenly you get one client and you're sort of happy or one inquiry, let's say. Um, but it's when you get that flow of clients that is that is really much more important, I think. Um, and that took me quite a long time, I have to say. I mean, there's no question about that, partly because my my profile was set up, I would say, in the wrong way. Um, and I and I didn't have this sort of very specific message on my on my profile in terms of what sort of problem I could help my clients with, you know. Yeah. So so that was that was one of the one of the reasons I think why uh, the flow of clients didn't really happen at the beginning. It really, really didn't. And it, and but I, I was happy with the content creation, and I was happy that I was gaining followers. But it, but I kind of at the same time was thinking, wow, I thought that when when I would have loads of followers, suddenly the the sort of clients would al almost be automatic. But it wasn't really like that. It wasn't really like that. That, that my process, at least, wasn't like that. You know? Yeah. Any final tips or anything else that you want to share with people who think that their ideal client is on LinkedIn and they want to they want to use LinkedIn as a tool to to get new clients? Well, obviously, just to to the, I think one of the key things is obviously to get to know the platform as much as possible. That is always the same with every single platform. There are so many small little details, and the, and the more you use it, the more you uh, the more you're on there. Uh, you kind of get ideas from other content creators, and so it's kind of you know really getting to to used to that whole system of of different um, you know little tricks maybe as well. Um, but you know, in the end, it's really about the content creation. So if you can get something out every single day, then that is, that is, I would say that is the, the secret. I mean, you just yeah. literally have to get something out every day and then analyze how well it's doing. Okay. On LinkedIn, it's very, the algorithm is very, very connected to the first hour that you, that you post your, that you post your content or your, whatever you, what your, your text or your video. So you can measure, you can look very clearly and identify very clearly whether that post that you've just post posted is, is doing well or not well, you know. Um, and if it does well, then then LinkedIn will start to obviously feed it out or, you know, push it out to the rest of your followers. But if you if you put a, a post that is is not very good, no engagement, uh, then clearly the reach will be will be low, low, low. So, um, you know, it really is just putting a bit of hard work in and and being very consistent consistency is everything yeah. daniel thank you so much for sharing everything your 
your your LinkedIn wisdom. I mean, we've covered so many platforms, but we hadn't really talked about LinkedIn before. So, yeah, thank you so much for your input. If people want to learn more about you and if they want to see your work, where can they go? Well, uh, LinkedIn is the best place, without a doubt. Um, the thing is, my name, Daniel Smith, is not <laughs> is quite a common name. So, um, if you put in Daniel Smith and then maybe Ingles in Spanish or something like that, then uh, probably uh, I will, uh, you, you know, through in the search engine, then I'll probably uh, turn up. But uh, um, yeah, that's definitely the best way to contact me. Uh, go get into LinkedIn and, uh, you can, uh, send me a direct message. Um, and, uh, you know, that's the, if, uh, if people want to want to get in contact, that's definitely the best way. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode. And if you like this episode and please give it a positive rating in whatever podcast app that you're using. And if you want to listen to other interviews or just learn more about what we do, then make sure to go to our website, creatorsmart.com. See you on the next episode. Ciao.